Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Blame Me. And this has our first guest in years, three years minimum. Yeah. Like Whoa. we stopped doing guests in the pandemic. Uh huh. And that was 2020. 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember who our last guest was. Me too. It's seared into my brain because. Are you allowed to say? Yeah. Yeah. Becca Martinez. Okay. And it's not because of her. It's because Becca and I together were like, what the fuck is this COVID shit? And Melissa was like, no, it's going to be really serious. (laughs) Becca and I are like, it's going to be fine. And then Melissa like was, and we recorded like two weeks before they come out. Uh And Melissa was just like, I just want to let you know, I'm doing you guys a massive solid and I'm cutting all this fucking bullshit out. I was like, oh, cool. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was a we little chaotic. I knew. I knew. She did. <laughs> she did. And I I will never not listen ever again to Melissa. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. our fantastic, very overdue guest, we should have had you on so long ago. Mm-hmm. Candace King. Hello. Hi. It's so good to see you guys. People were so excited that you were coming on. And that makes me so happy because... I adore you. And I like I reference you all the time to people when I talk about like just like wonderful like women in Hollywood and how L.A. is not so jaded and awful, as everyone says. And if anyone I feel like maybe I've mentioned on the podcast before. Yeah. But like a quick thing, like so we were same management company and like I had like just started off like with them. And I was like pretty recent to like being in L.A. full time. I dropped out of college. I was like 20, something like that. And they were asking me like, oh, like what TV shows do you like? Like what, like whatever do you like? And I was like, I mean, I like Vampire Diaries, but like I love Candace as like Caroline. Like that is like my dream role. She's so good at it. Like it's so great. And they're like, oh, well, like she's here. Like, do you want to like meet her sometime? And I was like, oh oh my God, sure. And they introduce us. And within like 10 seconds, you were like, okay, they take a picture. And then we sat down. You're like, do you have any friends in LA? Like, how is it going on? Like, you just moved here. And you're like, I'm only here for this amount of time. But like, I've got all these friends here. And like, you literally were like, I'll pick you up this weekend. And we'll like drive over there. And we'll do a photo shoot with Moo And you'll like meet all these people. And like, you were, it was like, you just like popped in. And we're like, okay, I'm going to like help this floundering young girl. And like, set her up with like, very nice, genuine people in LA. And like, I, I just, I, I die. And it's like the, what I always use to reference for people who are like, like LA is so cutthroat and you know, women don't support each other and all of that. And I was like, literally Candace met me. And within like 15 seconds, you were like, Oh, let me introduce you to like all of my friends. So you have friends. And I was like, you're the kindest. Oh man. All of that is, first of all, that's very, very kind of you to say. And it's of course, like I remember go, getting to LA and it's really difficult to not know anyone. And I was really lucky to just by happenstance meet incredible young women. You know, some our paths veered off and we went in different directions, but still it was just very valuable friendships to my life just on like a soul level (laughs) and and then not feeling alone at certain times. And then other women who I'm still friends with today. And so I feel like I've gotten like the lucky side of that and that it's just like this constant like karmic return back to other um, like amazing like women that I meet. Like truly, I love that you're even able to meet other, you know, new people who come to LA and be like, no, 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 this exists. You're Mm -hmm. fine. Let me, let me introduce you to people because it is really that simple. And, and I'm so grateful that not only did I receive that when I got to LA, but even when, you know, the Vampire Diaries was my first big job. Mm -hmm. Like that was my first really big consistent job. And getting there and then seeing, you know, a wonderful world in which we were, you know, as was the small group of women on the set, we were really good friends. Like I just came back from a weekend at the lake and all of my very close, you know, friends, we all met through that job in one way or another, whether someone was on the crew in our lighting department or, 
you know, they were assistants for someone or they were, you know, within the production team. Like we all really bonded. And and that can also come from the top. And Julie Pleck is another great example of she, you know, is represents, you know, this person with this woman within the industry that also like loves to lift people up, good mm-hmm. people up, and also, you know, encourage women to rise to the occasion. So I just feel like humbled to be surrounded by all those women. And I just want to be like them. So then I just try to emulate that karmically into the world. No, well, you, it, do, it, you do, though. You and, do. Thanks, and, like, and I don't even think it's emulating. I think it's just you existing because you're just a kind person. Guys, guys. What, this is just... Thank the, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Candace's dick podcast <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> and you also give the best hugs, too. And I don't like people touching Aww. me. <laughs> Facts, facts. <laughs> Neither of us are, we're not big touchy people, but there are people we'll make exceptions mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And you're just like the best. And you're also, you're also funny and like great and hilarious. So we know that you're going to give wonderful, honest, amazing advice. And oh, I'm so excited. if anyone's new here, this is an advice podcast where we, you guessed it, we give advice. So you can call in, leave a voicemail at 310-694-0976. International listeners, audio message, megapodcast at gmail.com. Under three minutes, write everything down, practice, make sure it's right and twite. And then we give advice. And Melissa, do we have credentials? Yes, because what we don't have in like actual written diplomas, mm-hmm. we make up for in opinions. So there we go. And I actually do have credentials. I am a level three member um, from UCB Improv. So I feel like oh, that gives okay. me I some know sort of... We were, I was like, I did know, you get I was like, in Scientology for are you a, in a minute? Cult? I know. I was like, level three. <laughs> no, this is but, um, level three of um, <laughs> UCB level improv okay. gives me some sort of leg up on how to um, navigate the world and say yes and I was just gonna say yes and and. and. that's 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 the biggest takeaway and yeah we're gonna we're gonna give some advice and hopefully not fuck up people's lives but if we do we literally wrote it in the show title that they can't blame us so it mostly means you can't sue us right so shall we get into some of the calls let's do it hi Megan and Melissa I apologize for my voice I'm getting over a cold and this just couldn't wait I'm calling in for an episode of Don't Blame Me. I'm 35 years old, use she, her pronouns. I'm looking for advice on how to confront my mom, who's 68, that I just found out that she had a baby before me, who she gave up for adoption, and that person has now reached out to me for more information. I'd been gifted a 23andMe kit for my birthday back in September to get some information about my nationality and medical history. I'm not very close with my extended family, since it's quite large and there's lots of conflict. I'm looking to start my own family in the next year or so, so I was curious to see if there were any genetic disorders in my bloodline that I needed to be aware of and to pinpoint my nationality for curiosity's sake. On my dad's side, I stopped talking to my father in my teenage years, and my mother doesn't talk about their relationship or history before I came along. I saw my father off and on while I was growing up, but we were never close, so I don't have much background on his family or where he came from. On my mom's side, I was raised by a single mom in an only child household. She has a total of 10 brothers and sisters, and only a fraction of them do we have any sort of relationship with. My grandmother was adopted, so we had an idea of her heritage, but nothing was documented, so we were curious about her nationality as well. When doing the test, I fully expected some cousins or extended family to show up in my tree, and I was lucky to receive my results while I was home visiting with my mom for the holidays. I opened them up and reviewed them with my mom and noticed that I had someone listed as my aunt. 
Mom said that it was likely one of her or my dad's siblings that she doesn't know or doesn't speak to anymore since the name was private and we only had initials to go off of. We left it at that. It's now mid-January and I got a message from my aunt. She said that she did the test to find out her nationality because she was adopted as a baby and didn't know any family history. And she wondered if I, I would be able to answer some questions about the family. I said, sure, I'll provide what I can, but I'm not close with most of my family, so I'm not sure I'd be much help. She asked my grandmother's name, which I provided, but it wasn't familiar to her. And then she asked, does the name blank mean anything to you? She's listed as my biological mother. It was my mother's full first, middle, and last name. A quick Google search confirmed that a 25% DNA match will show up on your report either as an aunt or uncle or a half-sibling. They make an educated guess as to what to label it as. I deflected the conversation saying I'll take this back to my extended family to discuss and see if I can provide any info since I signed up for this and not them. I try not to let on that I knew on full well who that was. The advice I'm looking for is how do I bring this up to my mom? We don't have a very close relationship, but I'm trying to build that now that we're getting a lot older. How do you confront your mom and say, hey, so the baby you gave up for adoption found me on a DNA website and it's looking for you. I had zero inkling that this was even a possibility. I was prepared to find some family drama or long-lost cousins, not a half-sister. I'm mainly concerned with the potential harm this could do to my mom. It was clearly not something she was comfortable talking about openly in the past, and this was over 40 years ago. I feel guilty for dragging something up that she had long buried, but I just can't sit with this information and not tell her. What should I do? Holy fuck. Wow. That's wow. a lot. It is a lot, but it surprisingly happens a lot. I know. I know someone that this happened yeah. to. So, I mean, I guess my first question is like, I don't want to say that there's like maybe like a fluke in the system because I've seen so many people who've like done TikToks like and then like reached out 23andMe and they're like, no, that's like actually like this isn't the fluke. But like, I would think that if like there was a possibility that this would come up, like the mom didn't forget that she had another baby and gave the child up for adoption. And she knew that you did 23andMe and then you read the results with her and all of that stuff. So like, I mean, I guess like if there was a lot of hesitancy there from her for like wanting you to do it or like not wanting you to do it, I would say that like if she seemed kind of open, maybe she thought that those results would appear yeah. there at the moment. And I think if she really didn't want you to fucking find out, she wouldn't she have wouldn't have encouraged you to no. do it. And she like would have like either not like put her foot down that you can't do it, but she like certainly wouldn't have wanted to be around when you read the results. So maybe she just doesn't know how to bring it up mm -hmm. after. But I mean, I don't know. You're you're a mom. So like asking a parent something that like, you know, once you're older and you realize that like your parents are people and like they have complex lives before you, like how do you navigate their feelings in that situation? Well, I think there's two parts of this, right? One is the fact that we have to think, I mean, her, she said her mom is 65. So depending on how old this half sibling is, you know, whether that was in the 70s, you know, or or 60, you know, or probably closer she to said 40s. 70s or 80s. She said she was in her 40s. So it happened 40 years ago. Okay, so then then this was the 80s, mm -hmm. you know, it's they have to think we don't know this mother's path. We don't know uh, the situation she was put in. We don't know if there was we, we don't know the situation, right. bottom line. Mm -hmm. And that is such a personal choice. And we don't know if there was what the reasons of the secrecy was and why she didn't feel like she could 
include that information as she walked through her own path in life with future partners or other family. Because it doesn't sound like any other extended families come out of the woodwork to bring this up in conversation. Mm-hmm. So there is, I think, obviously, what to what you're saying, like if if this mother didn't want anyone to find it out, maybe wouldn't encourage 23andMe. But there is obviously a due diligence, I think, to pass along this information because it's right there. And it's just going to potentially haunt you if you don't. And you don't know, maybe it it will lead to a potential relationship between this half sibling and, you know, your mother, or maybe it won't and neither person will want to engage or one person won't want to engage. And the other part of this is also the fact that asking yourself, do you want to potentially open up the door for a relationship with this half sibling? Because that is separate from your relationship with your mother. And I would say, through walking down all of these, you know, kind of parallel paths to I could not highly recommend um, talking with a like a psychologist about processing all of those emotions. And also because I have a feeling again, neither of us are professionals, but I have a (laughs) feeling this information not being shared to you in your childhood or even your adulthood actually has nothing to do with you. And so it's being able to separate yourself from that. So you're able to have your own individual relationship with your mother and also, you know, open or not open to a relationship with this half sibling. Yeah. 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 Because it's like you went into this wanting to know more about your own genetics and any markers that you had. Like that was the whole point. But you found out more information with maybe your mom didn't. Maybe your mom just thought that the information would be just the information about your DNA because she was also adopted Mm -hmm. too. So, or her her mom was was adopted. So your grandmother was adopted. So maybe she just thought that was the information you were going to get back and not like relatives coming back. And so when you read the results, you're probably just reading the information about your genetic makeup. And then... I would ask because my I, my mom did one after I did it and she because she didn't know that like you would find relatives. She just wanted to know just like genetic makeup. Yeah. And then we found like some distant cousins and stuff. But I would just kind of say like to her, I would be like, hey, because also the caller doesn't have a close relationship to her mom yeah. either. But just say, I found this person whose birthday is blah, blah, blah. And see just kind of how she reacts from that. and if. Again, if like Candace said, if you want to have a relationship with her, that's a completely separate relationship than what you have with your mother, too. And kind of figuring out what kind of relationship you'd want with this older sibling. Yeah, I have a friend who I don't even know if they did it through 23andMe or they found out somehow else. But it's like I have like my friend's parent. Mm -hmm. They found out that they had a half sibling like way later in life and both of their parents are not around and he's like come into her life and my friend who like that's her like her like uncle one of her like uncles now it's been like great because like they're fostering a relationship like as adults and it's been like very beneficial to like both of them and like they both kind of want to be involved like the same amount. But then I also know people who like have half mm-hmm. siblings who like they're not really involved. Like I have a half brother who I rarely, rarely saw growing up. Like I joke that like 
my like godfather was more of like my half brother or my uncles. Like those are people I saw all the time. Like I have spent, seen my brother and spent time with him like less than five times in my entire life. But as we, I got, became an adult, like, you know, I text my sister-in-law more. Like we, like we talk a little bit more like in that thing. And so family relationships like that aren't linear and they change regardless if you've known them, if they're, you've known them for your whole lives, like relationships change from like childhood to adulthood. And like everyone's saying, like your relationship with your mom is separate than your relationship with this part, like with your half sister. And the thing I would just make sure when you like talk to your mom, basically like bringing up like, I'm like there, I have no judgment here. Like there's no shame. There's no judgment. Like, I don't know your story, but I want to make sure if I like pursued a relationship or getting to know them that you don't have to tell me the entire, like Candace was saying, you don't have to tell me the entire like circumstance or uh, situation that led to this decision. But I want to make sure that I know going into this, how that I'm not actively going to hurt you. If Mm -hmm. this was something that's like a very like traumatizing, or if there was something that went on here, like I'm on your side, like I'm here for you. And I want to make sure that like, if I pursue an independent relationship with this person that I'm not doing it, and this came from a really hard place for you because, you know, later on in life, if that's something you do want to pursue because a child of a circumstance that was not great, that's not the child's mm-hmm. fault. But mm-hmm. um, that's something that like I would make sure, you know, going into that, that there's like no shame involved, because even though her grandma, her mom was adopted, your grandma was adopted. Even now, there's still a lot of unnecessary and I don't think like deserved shame in adoption. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that to have sibling who also will have trauma from being adopted and all of that, like your, and your mom will have trauma from giving up a child for it. Like, so there's a lot of things facilitating going on there that you don't need to be the mediator between that. I just Mm -hmm. think you share the information and then know that you can't solve or fix anything. And then, yeah, talk to your therapist about it. Like do all of that stuff. Yeah. And Gabe Dunn found a sibling in this same way and they spoke openly about it. Um, And we did a podcast on just between us about it years ago when they first found their sibling. So if you want to check that out, then that's there. I really want to do a 23andMe. I did it years ago, and but it was an old email that I got locked out of. Oh. Ugh. Now I, I got no updates. That's All I got was that my eyes are sensitive to the sun, and I, it makes me sneeze when I go into the oh. sun. Wow. I got, That's... I will tell anybody who listens that my dad grew up Irish Catholic, and, um, the, you know, the Irish, and he's old, so his parents are, they're long gone, but they are like old, old. So they... um hated Italians in the very old school Irish versus Italians. And my dad did the 23 Me after they passed and found out we were kind of Italian as well. And he was like, oh God, if they fucking knew. <laughs> I was like, that's hilarious. But it does kind of make sense because the terminology, which Melissa and I talk about all the time, like someone needs to come up with a better one, is like black Irish, which basically means you look like Sandy Cohen from the OC. Like you have got thick black eyebrows and like olivey white, but like little more tan, no freckles, no red hair. And I was like, well, yeah, like how did they think? And it's supposed to be like you're from Vikings or whatever. And I was like, well, I mean, we had to get the dark hair from somewhere because none of us have red hair or freckles. So how are we Irish? Yeah. I got to do one. I'm, I feel like I'm just learning a lot. Like I'm, I'm just, I've just started Outlander. So like, obviously mm. that's not Ireland, it's Scotland, but I just didn't realize like the history of like all the different countries and slash UK 
territories yeah. and it's very interesting. Yeah, we, there's also a theory going on in my um, friend group that uh, and through the Irish uh, side of the Viking sides might be part Mongolian because the I mean, everybody is part Mongolian because Genghis Khan was going around raping everyone. everybody. But so that's big in the Viking theories. Yeah. I, I love this history turn. Of yeah. This <laughs> I'm part Viking. What can I say? Candace does a new one. It's like, oh, my gosh, I have a twin. No, that's just you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, just my, oh my old one. This one. email address looks really familiar. <laughs> I know. That'd be funny. Oh, OK. All well. Right. Should we get on the next? Let's go to the next. We're about to get into the other call and uh, Candace had to dip. We love her exponentially. So she's not going to finish out this episode with us, but that means that you essentially get a podcast with Candace and then this little extra bit that you already got. Yeah. So she's going to come back on for another episode soon and give more advice. So you got a taste. You got a little, little, little sprinkling of it. And if you don't listen to her podcast, Super Bloom, then you may be... Or maybe you weren't a Vampire Diaries fan, which, what are you doing? I, I told Mods that's like our next show. And I was like, you're, we got to get into this. You're going to love it. But you got a, a sprinkling and a taste of how amazing and awesome yeah. she is. But check out her podcast, The Super Bloom. It's really good. Produced ama- amazingly. Yeah, I've heard that producer is like so fucking coveted after. And I've, I've heard that like she's so beautiful, mm-hmm. so so stunning, so sexy, and that... Um, and brilliant. Yeah, that she's, like, on the short list for, like, Little EGOT. short list. hmm She's on the five-foot-tall EGOT list. <laughs> Are you five feet tall? I'm five, almost one. Okay, I was gonna say, I don't think you're five one. I'm almost one. Plus eight inches. Anyway, um... <laughs> Lies. <laughs> slander. Defamation. Anyways, let's get into the next call. Woo! Hi, Megan and Melissa. I'm 22 years old and a senior in college. I need advice on how to deal with a controlling parent. My mom has always wanted me to go to medical school and become a doctor. I realized last year that I no longer want to do that. This summer, I worked an internship in a different industry and got a full-time job offer. I don't necessarily have a dream job or a huge passion towards one field, but I'm happy with this job and think it would be a good first step. I recently told my mom about the offer and she lashed out at me. She said some very hurtful comments like she wishes she never had me. She repeatedly tells me that she's extremely disappointed in me, that I cannot do anything besides medicine and that I should not make such a stupid decision. She says that even though she knows that I don't want to go into medicine, I will come around to it later. My mom mainly wants me to go into medicine because it was her childhood dream and she values the stability and financial security that the job provides. It is very upsetting to me that my mom does not value my happiness and does not want to support me. In addition, as a first-generation immigrant, I feel like there is an expectation that I must pay back my parents for their sacrifices. I also do not believe going no contact with my mom is an option, since I do love her and we do have our good moments, and I am also still financially dependent on her. How do I feel more secure and not following the path she wants for me? And how do I deal with the external pressure? Although I know I should do what I want, it is extremely exhausting to have to deal with her constant passive-aggressive comments. Even when I, when I tell my mom I don't want to discuss career things anymore and establish boundaries, she constantly um, breaks those boundaries and continues to bring up the career issue. 
She's also making me feel doubt about my decisions, and sometimes I wonder if I should just go to medical school. I'm reaching a breaking point and would appreciate any advice. Um, I am in therapy, would, but would just love to hear your guys' opinion. Thank you. This sucks. Like, I feel, I feel for you. This is, like, a really difficult thing. I mean, the things that she's saying are inexcusable and, like, really fucked up, uh, and I very much relate to that. So just know that, like, that's an unacceptable it's unacceptable things to say to like anyone and it's like an ex- unacceptable thing to say to your kid and what your mom's kind of demonstrating right now is that like her love is conditional and that's why you're f- like feeling pressure and that's why you're doubting yourself because you've said that like you I mean you can't go no contact because you're financially dependent on her which is valid like that's like a completely valid thing I would never encourage someone to go no contact with when that's not a circum like it's a privilege to be able to be in a circumstance where you you can do that and I like acknowledge that in my own life but that wasn't the case for like a long period of time and you're not at the at that point but when you're saying things like you know we have our good moments I would guess that that's when you are doing what she wants and you are feeling that love because her love this moment and it seems historically has been conditional and so I can understand the feeling of oh am I wrong for not wanting to do this because if I'm doing what she wants she's nice to me and we have a good relationship because she's reinforcing that where it goes you might it might not be the right decision for you but if she can show you gratitude for that and show you like niceness and love in that that can kind of make you be like oh maybe she was looking out for me and maybe this was the right call for me but the reason why she's doing that is because I'm doing what she wanted and now I'm feeling accepted and loved from her. So am I confusing that between what's right for me and what's easier on me psychologically? I mean, you said it yourself that like you try and set boundaries and she breaks them. And the advice I'm going to give you is not like, I don't think what a therapist would say, but when you're in a circumstance where you can acknowledge that it's like an unhealthy relationship, but you actually can't do anything about it because you're financially dependent on them, you have to choose, or at least for me, like I choose my battles and I choose the lesser of evils and circumstances and I disengage and try and not try and make the relationship something that it's it's not and I think for medical school I think that is where I would put my foot down because it's a lot it's really taxing emotionally and a lot of people struggle with really bad mental health dealing with getting their doctorate even just graduate school further education like school is a really high stress environment and it's really cutthroat and the competitive nature can really, really put a lot of people in a dark place. And when you don't want to be there to begin with, I don't think you're starting off on solid footing and solid ground that you can ensure that you will be able to then set boundaries in your school life to look out for your men- your present and future mental health. I don't think that that's a good way to kind of start off with that. But I guess the question is like, are you going to be cut off if you don't go to medical school or is it the comments? But also medical school is not a guarantee that you'll get in. It's not a guarantee that you'll pass the MCAT. So let's just say you don't pass the MCAT. Yeah. Maybe just 
don't pass the MCAT. So I was pretty much like taught my whole life you're going to medical school or dental school or some type of medical some type of medical field. And then when I got to college, I was like, that's not what I want. I took a dental class. I absolutely hated it. And I was very scared to tell my parents. They're different than your parents so that they were supportive. Mm-hmm. But again, you you have to be able to get into medical school. So even if you have the best of grades, there's no guarantee that you can get into medical school. So I would say just do what you can. And if you don't pass the MCATs, you can't get into medical school. Yep. Like she's going to be unhappy. Like there's only one circumstance in which she's happy. And that's you go to a medical school that she thinks is good enough. Mm -hmm. You graduate from medical school. You get your residency. You're practicing as a physician or whatever, whatever field that she wants you to go into. At that point, her love's not on the other side of that. Right. Like it will be something else. And even if you're able to do all of those things exactly how she wants you to Mm -hmm. flawlessly, which is completely unlikely. You Even if you go to a medical school, like you do everything that seems like it's going to be enough. Even if all of those things are exactly how she wanted, it's going to be something else. Like it's going to be another thing because this is just how she is interacting with you. And then it's it's not going to click for you. And it's not going to be like, oh, okay, suddenly our relationship is good. And I see value in myself. And I know how to set boundaries with other people in my life. And it's about managing and mitigating a relationship until you are at the point emotionally and Mm -hmm. financially when you can decide how you want to move forward. Yeah. Like you can't set clear boundaries when you rely on someone and they are holding your Mm -hmm. housing or your food or or anything over your head. But if you are 21, which I'm I mean, you are 21. I'm not saying if you are 21. You're 22. So you're I'm guessing about to graduate and Let's say you don't pass the um, MCATs and then you start working in the fields that you want to work in, but you're still studying for the MCATs, you know. Mm -hmm. So you're working in that field that you actually want to work in and you gain your financial, your financial independence. And then guess what? You don't have to keep studying for the MCATs. Yeah. Like the only way that you're going to like feel more confident in your decision making is when you start making decisions on your own uh-huh. and lying is a decision <laughs> to make but, on your own. No, but, but you don't necessarily have totally. to lie about this. But like, I think that if you know what she wants to hear and mm-hmm. you know that like, you know, whether it's a white lie or just like not totally telling the truth, if it's going to save you a fight, say it like yeah. you got to do what you need to do you in do that what you need to and do. ensure yeah. that you're building a safety net and you're building money that you can take away because it's exhausting to try and set boundaries with someone when you you don't have everyone should be able to set boundaries but like when you're in a relationship that is not healthy and it's toxic and you depend on that person you're not able to set boundaries and so the one thing I will say is that like when there is one person in your life who is like stamp like stampeding over all of your boundaries, treating you really, really horribly, as much as like you want it to be isolated into this one like dark corner that it doesn't affect any other part of your life and your relationships, it does. And the best way to kind of stretch that muscle of building boundaries and making your own choices, making your own decisions is to 
seek out new friends and new relationships and like whether it's dating and things like that. I have to say that like when I cut the toxic person out of my life, everyone else that was toxic in my life just it crumbled away because Mm -hmm. I suddenly it was like it was like my prefrontal core. I mean, that didn't happen until a couple years later, but it was like a light switch where it was everybody took their masks off and they had always been like that, but I just couldn't see it because I had justified and tolerated or just dealt with this other behavior from somebody else for so long that suddenly it was like my, I had no tolerance for fucking bullshit anymore. And I didn't even realize in some other relationships where that's those same kind of patterns and behavior was showing up. So if I was in your circumstance with, if I was in my situation, but financially in your circumstance and with like medical school and all the things that you're currently dealing with, I would have said what I needed to say in the conversation to avoid a fight, Mm -hmm. whether that was 100% truthful Mm -hmm. or not. And I would know that I am doing that because that's an act of self-love for me. I'm not doing it to defy like a parent. I'm not doing it to hurt them. I'm doing it to like love me. And I would treat that as like a, oh, look at you. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back here and not vilify this as like withholding information or lying or being dishonest, like to hurting someone else. It's like, you know what? This person can't give me the love. So I'm going to give it to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would do. And then it's a muscle. And the more you kind of start to practice that and the more you are able to have some financial independence and financial security, as well as building up friendships and build, building like a found family and a circle of people that you really trust. I'm not saying that like, I hope that you cut contact and go no contact with uh, your mom. Like, I don't hope anyone does that. Like, it's a last resort. I hope parents and people can grow and learn and change. And I truly believe some people can. And when they can't, that's when no contact comes along. But I think you'll be able to have a relationship, whether it, it is a relationship or it's not, that will be a lot less draining to you when you have another life like this is your life right now and you need to build and another. your lifeblood too like yeah. it's your lifeline because she provides for you but yeah i think once you start providing for yourself then you'll be able to yeah stand up and let her know eventually that she can't live vicariously through you no it's yeah financially and emotionally like mm-hmm. building that life for you and whatever she's gonna do she's gonna do yeah. but it's not going to control you but right now it does and that's that yeah. sucks, but that's no fault of yours. And I would never encourage anybody to put themselves in a dangerous like physical or financial situation. Agree. So, so I'm really sorry. This is I'm sorry. sucky as fuck. Yeah. I have faith in you. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. Woo! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about Book of the Month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available. And I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like, you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is, it's kind of like a, a straight shot into that and something that book of the month you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress. And as well, there are reading challenges and rewards. 
And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, wait, this I like all of them. This is hard. And I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like, okay, so these are like my top ones. I'm assuming they will be yours. So don't pick the same one as me. So then we can swap afterwards. And that's what we did. So we got The Ministry of Time by Killian Bradley. And we also received The Return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean. The Ministry of Time is like people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books, it's quoted from Town and Country saying it's really innovative, fun storytelling. The Ministry of Time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024. And then Harper's Bazaar also said part time travel romance, part spy thriller and 100% multifaceted joyride. (gasps) When I tell you that I was like sold. We're also excited about the return of Ellie Black. And this one is about a missing girl who returns. But that isn't the end of the story. It's only beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm-hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. We are back. Shall we get into the rest of the kills? Let's do it. Hey, Megan and Melissa. I've debated about calling in about this for a really long time, but I'm hoping it's maybe something other people can relate to having difficulty navigating. I don't have any friends with similar experiences, and it's been really isolating. I'm 25, use he, they pronouns, I'm queer, I'm not currently dating men, I'm autistic, violently anxious, and I'm generally pretty touch-averse unless I have romantic feelings for a person. I'm one of those never been in a relationship, but not for lack of trying types of people. I've worked really hard on myself in therapy with my queer therapist in terms of self-worth and not feeling bad for being inexperienced. Still a work in progress. But there's still one thing I'm really stuck on. I've never been kissed 25-year-old. I'm like a decade past when people start having that experience. And I've had that whole decade to build up all sorts of weird anxieties and expectations around it. It feels more like a thing than sex does, to be honest. But I would rather like to get kissed sometime this year in a COVID-conscious way, of course, 2023 goals. And I'm wondering if you guys have any advice for both tackling any expectations that I might have, as well as any anxiety over just doing the thing, especially as a more touch-averse autistic person who isn't interested in just, like, quote-unquote, getting it over with and kissing somebody I don't have a connection to. Not there's anything wrong with that, just not for me. How do I get over this weird little speed bump? Uh, thanks so much for your help. Look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. I don't think this is a weird speed bump at all. I don't either. I don't. Yeah, it might be. Some people might think it's weird, and that's just because they don't understand the complexities of it. It's not weird. Like you sound 
how anyone I know before they had, this is me before I had my first kiss. This is like anyone I know before mm-hmm. we had our first kiss. And it's it's just a different timeline. Yeah. And we've said this numerous times when people have talked about maybe dating or having sex or getting kissed. Like there, you don't need to put a timeline on any of it. No. And I will also say that like kissing is, I don't disagree with your sentiment where you said that it kind of, if you're a little more anxious than this, you even think that maybe sex. And if I think about like any new person that I'm kissing who I have feelings for, it's not like acting, it's not, you know, mechanical in that sense. There's always butterflies. There's always like an anxious and nervous energy there. And I think that that is, a. I would hope that that maybe would help quell a bit of your anxiety of knowing that, Every new kiss, I think, begins is, with K. Every kiss begins with K is like exciting and anxious, no matter how many times you've done it. So you're not going into this. It's not like you're swimming with sharks and you've never done it before, and you're with someone who's done it a thousand times, and it's just like, oh, whatever, it's no big deal. Like when there are feelings there, which you want there to be, you don't want to get it over with. Like you want it to be someone you have feelings with they're going to have some of that there too. So there's a nervous energy that is in every first kiss, Mm -hmm. regardless if it's your first kiss ever or your first kiss with With this person. person. Yeah, It's it's always a first. And for yours, it's your first first. And theirs, it's still their first, but... And they don't necessarily have to know either that that you have, if you don't feel comfortable disclosing that, that it's your first kiss. I'm not a big touchy-feely person. So... I don't know how that even compares to like your situation. I don't want to compare that to that at all. But I will say that like there is like a mental and physical component of like I mean every emotion and, and feelings in life. And so there are some like I'm I'm very fine with like physical affection and touch with like Mots and I, but it didn't start like that. That's, that's I'm I'm kind of I'm similar in a way. Yeah. It's like I'm not the kind of person that's sitting up with her friends sitting close and holding hands yeah. and uh, that kind of thing. But like, if it's something, someone that I'm interested in, then I kind of show my affection by touching them. But it's like, that's a different, it's a different thing. Like, I don't want just anybody touching me. Yeah. And I had to build up to it. Like, my, like we're affectionate now, but like, I couldn't hold hand. Like it was, and we're, I'm more physically affectionate with him than I've been with anyone in my entire life, let alone like lone romantic partner. And so that wasn't just, oh, I like him so much, so I'm okay with it. It was like uh, me telling him like, okay, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't mm-hmm. like this. And I just get overwhelmed. I either get like, I'll get emotionally, like I'll get overstimulated and overwhelmed or I would get like, you know, trauma overwhelmed of being like, this is uncomfortable for me. I like don't like this. And we build up to it. And even still now, like, I don't like if someone, sometimes I just don't want to be touched. And like, I don't like if someone's sitting too close to me. I don't like, I really can never stand if someone like is rubbing my arm or my leg and they rub the same, like continued rub that like physically hurts really badly. And so he know he he knows that. And like, that has just been a conversation that we've had. And it's knowing that I'm like that in all of my relationships and being with someone who knows I'm like that in my friendships, sees that I'm I'm like like that. Like he was never put off by that. He was like very understanding because I had a pretty good understanding of 
this in myself. And so I would just know that like there's people out there who like when you let them know, like, you know, I'm like touch adverse. I'm not I'm not whatever your specific thresholds are, what you like, what you don't like. And knowing that that can change in a a moment's instance, that can whatever, that there are people who, whether they understand your specific, like how in-depth yours specifically is, everybody has a friend who like, oh, they're not really a big hugger. And I think we're starting to get into the generation of not always expecting physical contact Mm -hmm. there. And so you're 25. I I think you're going to, when you meet people and if you're just like upfront and honest about like that aspect of it, whether they understand, they're not going to understand you because your personal case is all, everyone's going to be uniquely different. The right person will want to respect you because no one wants, whether their love language is physical touch, nobody, the goal is to express your love to someone in a way that feels loving to you, but they receive it in that way. And if you don't receive it in that way, then anyone who's trying to push that boundary is not actually doing it to make you feel loved. They're doing it for themselves. So I guess like expectations wise, like the awkwardness of like putting two lit, like putting your lips next to someone else's, like someone else's tongue in your mouth. Like when you're excited and you have a crush on someone, that excitement there, at least for me, I found in those moments that like that anxiety that I had when I was like sitting at home in my room thinking about this and like my expectations and all of that, that crush voice in my head when that happens, that's so fucking loud, it drowns everything out. So like that anxiety is nervous energy and it's like excitement and it's it's really like, it's really exciting. And I think everybody, I think, gets excited for a first kiss when it's with someone you have a crush on. Yeah. I mean, my first kiss was terrible. He kissed like a piranha. Like, I don't know any other way to explain it is that, you know how like a piranha kind of like sucks because it's a Mm -hmm. fish. And so it was like teeth and sucking a little mouth. And so... How old were you? How old were they? We were the same age, like 11, 12. Okay. But they also like, The way they tasted was gross, too. I think they'd been drinking something that high fructose corn syrup in it. So their tongue was coated. And their tongue was was coated. So it was a terrible. So, like, I don't want you to, like, even, like, go into this thinking, like, you're going to have the best kiss ever. (laughs) Because everybody kisses different. Mm -hmm. And even, like, when you're the first kiss may not be good. But, like, every kiss is just different. So. Yeah. And, like two people who are like in their 30s having their first kiss with each other when mm-hmm. they've kissed like a hundred other people like it can still be awkward it's but weird. that's the point of a like the crush the crush it it trumps all of that like so no matter how like i might my first kiss like i think it was i mean i think you'll be better uh, off because you will most likely be kissing someone who has kissed someone before but also like you're 20 like you've got some you've watched movies like you've you've seen these things and it's never the people who are usually bad at kissing are the people who are like, nah, I've got this. I'm not like, if you're a, even a little bit worried about it, like, like, don't be, you don't be. And you're, you're having enough self-awareness to know that like, I'm not going to like bite someone and whatever. But like, I, I couldn't even tell you if my first kiss was good, like from a, like a, a choreographed, like technical standpoint, I was just on cloud nine like it was a great to me and I look back on it so fondly but I I I can't tell you if it was a really good great kiss in itself but it's just because like I really I really liked him and I I was so into it and a crush is one hell of a fucking drug yeah it it is 
they're the thing that's going off is your dopamine receptors and it's like a high once you're in a uh, long-term relationship or you're with somebody for a long time you don't have that same it's not the same thing no. it's, it's a bonding hormone that I can't think of right now so dopamine like it's a trigger for happiness mm-hmm. and so when you think of that person like your happiness trigger goes off. Yeah, maybe looking at it from like a, like looking up like the actual scientific Mm -hmm. aspects of it. So like for me, I know that like ADHD is dopamine seeking. That's why a lot of people pick their skin. And like when I pick my skin, I like black out. But like it gives, I don't want to say it's like endorphins, make you happy. Like I'm not, whatever. But like when I tell you that like, I don't even feel pain when I'm picking things because the dopamine is Mm -hmm. there. And so like, if you think about it- It's a rush. Yeah, in that sense that like, and that's not just a rush that you will be experiencing. Mm-hmm. They will be experiencing it too. And then the next person that you kiss, that you have a crush on, and they will be experiencing that with you and you'll be do- experiencing it with them. So it's kind of one of the great equalizers in mm-hmm. life that like you might have done it before. Yeah, but, but it's, you haven't done it with that person. Yeah, and it's almost the same as never having done it before uh-huh. ever. Yep. So I would just know that. I would get nervous and excited for a first kiss. And like, Mats and I talk about all we'll like watch like movies, people. I'm like, oh my God, that's so sweet. Like, I love him. Like, I love our life. I love being past the stage of like dating and like nerves. But I look back on that time with him like so fondly. I'm like, oh my God, I love like, this is the, I remember the that. Happiness. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there is a rush that comes from that. And I'm excited for you to, to experience that. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah enjoy getting kissed let us know call us back after it happens and give us a review a play-by-play like sports only if you want to do we have another yeah Uh (laughs) hi megan and melissa i'm so excited to be calling in megan i've been watching you since i was 16 i'm here too but have never called in before i do want to give a quick trigger warning to this episode or to this call for gun violence so um i am a 23 year old female, she, her pronouns, and I'm struggling with a family situation regarding my uncle, who is 40-something, he, him. For reference, this is my mom's brother, and my dad is not in the picture. I'm an elementary school teacher, and this happened the day after the Uvalde shooting, so there was a family get-together to celebrate my cousin's graduation. Um, the topic of gun violence was brought up since it was so recently in the news, and I had mentioned a really tough PD that I had gone to where I had learned what to do as a teacher in the event of an active shooter. So obviously a really tough, traumatizing professional development. This was the extent of what I had said in the conversation because I've always been the black sheep, aka I'm as, about as far left as you can go with a very conservative white family. And I just didn't want to stir the pot at my cousin's event. Um, although I'm usually the first one to stand up for what I believe in. So the conversation continued and my uncle ended up getting really upset with something that another person at the table said and began screaming at me just because I've always been known as the black sheep that I was the reason that this country was so messed up that he's ashamed of me, et cetera. So he was directing all his anger towards the left basically at me in a very loud, aggressive way. Anyways, afterwards, he texted me horrible things and threatened me. So needless to say, I have refused to go to any family events that he is at. But the rest of my family, besides my mom, who has been very supportive, have decided to pretend that this never happened. So 
because of this, I have missed out on every family event and holiday ever since. So just kind of wondering what I should do because it's making me want to cut off the rest of my family because they have not done anything at all to stick up for me. And for context, do these outbursts have happened before and they've always protected my uncle at all costs. So I'm just kind of wondering. I know I'm not in the wrong about my situation and my beliefs, but I'm just wondering what to do about the rest of my family who have chosen to protect him and not stick up for me. So love you guys and I appreciate your advice. Thank you. Cut him out. Cut him out. Yeah. How did he threaten you? Like, what did he say or say he was going to do to you? Because I would take that very seriously. I would, too. Um, When someone is so hardcore defending the right to bear arms and guns and then they threaten. Especially out after a shooting regarding children and teachers and Mm -hmm. you being a teacher like to me, that would be like a. I let I, me keep in records and yeah, I'm gonna make sure that other people know this. Mm-hmm. And if this person has weapons, I'm Which I'm sure they do going to, you know, America's fucked. But you know, I'm going to reach out to safe gun ownership organization in my city and let them know that this person who has weapons, which I don't know are registered, they might be, might not, has made uh, a threat, and here is the evidence of said threat. Yeah. So. I would cut your family. Yeah, they're protecting him. And obviously the excuse for that could be that he has also threatened them and they're also afraid and mm-hmm. all of that. But that's not ignoring the safety or the lack of safety that someone else has for you is not protecting their safety. Because if right. he's going to make threats to you and he's going to make it an unsafe situation for you to be in, other people ignoring that doesn't mean that they're safe. Like he can turn on anyone at any any point. And I would send a text message to the family with a screenshot of the text messages. And I would just say, I think it's been abundantly clear how I've separated myself from the family after the incident that happened and regarding these messages that I received. I understand that this is family. I'm also family and I'm like letting you know that these messages were sent on the off chance that I want you to be aware of this for my safety. And I hope if anything comes up where you are afraid for your safety to know that like I may be separating myself from my own to protect myself. But if you are in a situation where you are feeling like you are in danger, please send me a text. Please like reach Mm -hmm. out. I I have firsthand understanding of this and I would never turn my back on you if this is something that you start to experience. Right. Right. That's like pretty much all I would say. I would leave a lot of the like, I've cut you out because you have contact with him as implications. I would lay on the empathy for if this is to happen to anybody else. Yeah. I'm sorry that you're going through this and I'm sorry that your family isn't supportive of you and they're not standing up for what's the right thing to do, especially because you said you're the black sheep of the family. And I would also talk to that person that made the comment that made him angry since it wasn't you and they were on, they were on your side and ask them how they're doing. And if he threatened you, he probably threatened that person too. Um, And y'all can probably bond over this and maybe, you cut off everybody else. 
Yeah. They, these people thrive in families and in situations when everything, everyone pushes things under the rug. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel comfortable or safe with other people letting them know that this happened, like don't tell those people, but you don't have to protect their feelings because they've chosen to turn a blind eye. Like they should know these things that have been, that have been said. And sometimes people, I would assume he's had, like you said, he regularly has these angry outbursts. A lot of people tune them out. And so like they disassociate, they don't listen to what he's saying, but you having this in writing, it's hard for people to ignore that. And, or if they do choose to ignore that for you, I think it might be, it doesn't leave room for, any excuses on their end. They've been given the information. They can't say that they didn't hear it. They can't say that they missed the comment. They now have a screenshot proof with text messages. And if that doesn't change their behavior, then you don't have to have the, well, well, what if they didn't? What if they didn't? It's like, oh, they know. And now I can move on from this. And you said your mom is supportive. So I would probably inquire if it's your mom's side of the family about if it's not like a peer, like not someone your age who was the one who said the original comment, if it is another part of like your mom's family, if they had a history together or what what that was kind of like. Yeah, like this is sometimes family fucking sucks and they don't get a, a pass because they're family and other people might give them a pass, but that doesn't mean that to me, that's like you, then all of you are straight to my fucking shit list because mm-hmm. this is so, I don't know. I think regardless where you even fell on the political spectrum or like what you felt about like gun rights, I would think like after the Uvalde shooting when, any any school shooting but like you could say that about but i mean in this instance where it's like you're you're at a family event with right after the shooting with a teacher i would in the car ahead of time prep subjects that i know can't ever get back to relating to a classroom relating to like i would do that because like there's no way in hell i would even want i would try and make our interaction an hour or however long of escapism and like the idea that's they would bring up anything even closely relate like that. I mean, you, but if you brought it up, like I would, I would respond with empathy and all of that stuff. But like to know that he was sitting on these feelings for it and then viewed you as the correct vessel to spew all of this on. Like it's a tragedy for like the, it's a tragedy for the parents who lost their kids. It's a tragedy for everyone who witnessed there, but then also the rest of America and the world watching this. But it's specifically a tragedy for people who have to, who teachers and students who have to go back to school every day and parents who have to send their kids to school every fucking day. And he thought that you were the correct audience for that. <sighs> like I would take his threats really, really seriously. Yeah. And he, has he made threats to you in the past too? Anything that he's done, keep record of it and share it with the appropriate people to share this with. Yeah is awful i'm really sorry that's like the last thing that anyone should have to hear especially a teacher mm-hmm. hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. So right now we're going to get into an update. Oh, yay. So I called in from, for the regifting episode, um, I think on January 16th. And I was the like regifting call. So I had called in asking, 
I don't know if I should re-gift these earrings that I got from my significant other. I don't know if I should tell him or not, or if I should tell my friend who I'm giving them to, like, if they're from him or not. And then I also kind of mentioned my relationship with this person. Mm-hmm. And that's what you you guys were like, oh, my God, what the heck? Yes. Because I said we're exclusive, but not serious. Like, what the fuck does that mean? I'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> and then you guys just said to ask him, like, obviously. And so, yeah, that was that was the original call. So what'd you do? Yeah. When I got the email... Because I called in like a second time to like give like an update. And then I got an email from you guys being like, hey, like, let's do the update. Then I freaked out and I was like, oh, my God, I never even asked him yet. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I literally called him up like 10 minutes after that. I was like texting the person like in class to schedule. And I'm like, hey, do you want to hear like a crazy story? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so I'm like. Okay, so I called into this podcast, but I've actually been listening to you guys since literally it started. Ah, thanks. I'm 22 now, if that gives any content. You were a child. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I called him and I was like, hey, so I called into this podcast and then they gave me advice. And I know I should have just asked you in the first place, but I was wondering if I could like re-gift these earrings that you gave me. And I was like, I told him the friend I wanted to give them to because he knows her and he knows she's like my bestie. And he was like, yeah, of course, I don't care. (laughs) He was like, those are the ones like I didn't know if you would like or not anyway. And I was like, okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that's we always tell people all the time, like, just just show them the podcast, tell them around the podcast. Like, it's a perfect way to bring up the conversation. That's so funny. Okay, now you have to explain your relationship because like we're so confused. Yes. So I got out of a five-year relationship last year, like last March, and we had lived together for a year. Wait, did you live? Are you in college? I am in college. Did he go to your college? He transferred to my college. So y'all could live together? For a year. For y'all to live together? so we live together. We don't live together now. Did you miss all the podcast episodes where we said, do not live with your significant other in college? Okay, but the thing is, is that I was glad I was, I did it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. And also they were together for five years. (sighs) Yeah. So y'all were together before you were even in college. Oh, that's true. That's how math works. Okay, you're right. That's how math works. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was from when I was 16 to 21 and he was 18 to 23 but we met like in a high school class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we were just both, our birthdays were both like early in the year or Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, early in the school year. Okay. So he turned 18, like a couple months after I met him. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't like some guy like out of, like out of high school being like, Oh, high school girl. Okay. I feel better. But yeah. So I got out of this like five year relationship. We had lived together for a year And I was glad we lived together because it like brought up like stuff that that's what it does, (laughs) like that we didn't know about. And so Mm -hmm. we ended up ending it. And like I had originally planned to like move out of the state with him after college. Oh, I take it back. I'm so glad you moved in with him. Like that, you're right. You were you were the exception to the rule because that's our bigger rule. And you're like, I know that they don't like this and I know they don't like this, but (laughs) this I should do because that's worse. (laughs) Yeah, and so, like, I'm glad we broke up when we did because then I didn't plan my life around him Mm -hmm. after college. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it worked out. Like, it was, like, fun living with him. He had a dog. I love his dog. I miss her so much. (laughs) The dog. He now lives on the other side of the country. Oh, that's convenient. 
for like yeah forced distance yeah. Mm-hmm. to get over someone <laughs> yeah. but anyway so I started like I got on tinder in like May once I like moved back home for the summer and I was only on there for like two weeks I was dating around you know I didn't pay for anything that entire summer like oh, this past summer nice nice it was great so I had an internship last summer and I was out with my coworkers. You guys are going to hate me. Oh God. And <laughs> I was out with my coworkers and like my group like merged with another group and it's like the, the young professionals group. So it's mm-hmm. like all these kids, we get go out quite often and like we stay out like pretty late until yeah. like 2am. Like we closed down bars. I was part of one of those. I was not. <laughs> <laughs> and so this night I met this guy and I was currently seeing like three or four other people at this time because I was kind of like poly. Mm-hmm. And because going out of my long term relationship, I was like, I will not be serious with anyone for like a year because for some reason I cannot help but date people like I can't for some reason stay single for like over a year. So I was like, you know what? I'll go easy on myself. I won't be serious with someone for a year. <laughs> So I met this guy while I'm out. I end up going over to his place because, like, we're just, like, talking the whole night. And when I, like, went over there, yes, he was my coworker. <laughs> <laughs> you were intern. Was he an intern, too, or is he not in it? Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, but, okay. How, hold on. We were- hold on. How, how long were you interning at this place? Like, summer. three months. So it was just for the summer. Just for the summer. Okay. Oh, okay. so you're no longer no- coworkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, That's the part. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I so love that you've I'm, listened from the beginning and like you've you like, know. you know what, like, it's <laughs> like, it's not that you haven't learned anything. It's like, no, I know it's in the back of my head, but like I'm living my fucking life, uh-huh. which like I respect, yeah. like I respect. Okay. Going into it. I thought it was going to be a one night stand. I didn't even know if anything was going to happen because like the bars were closing. I was like, I still want to keep talking to you. And he's like, I still want to keep talking to you. And we had also made out because I went up to him and I was like, Hey, do you want to make out? And he was like, yes. Slay. I love it. I love that. <laughs> Keep him um, humble. So I was like, you know what? He's never going to talk to me. I don't need to talk to him. But then he's texting me the whole weekend. And then he's like, hey, like, do you want to go get drinks on Tuesday? And I was like, we like hung out on a Friday. And I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> and so I saw him again. So we just ended up like, we just kept seeing each other. And then we were like, okay, it's going to end after the summer because I'm going to move back to my college town. And, like, he's going to be moving to another town as well. He's going to be working at, like, a different office for our same company. And then I'm also going to continue. Like, I'm still an intern for the same company. Uh, so we are still technically co-workers, but it's, like, different departments, yeah. different locations. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't count. I don't think you can get fired for that. No. There's, like, I talked to someone, like, in, like, a different HR for a different company. And they were, like, there's nothing yeah. that's... So then at the end of the summer... I like saw him for what I thought was going to be the last day of seeing him. And then he texted me the whole next day and he was like, do you want to come over again tonight? And I was like, cause I lived up with my parents. So he like couldn't come to my place. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come over. And so then I'm like, Hey, like I want to keep seeing you. Cause I liked him a lot. And he's like, well, I want to keep seeing you. And I was like, okay, well now we're just going to have to do like long distance and like make it work. So at that point, we knew that we, like, liked each other. That's, like, two months in. But, like, we still hadn't, like, put a label on the relationship or anything. We had said we were exclusive at that point because I kind of dropped, like, all the other people I was seeing about a month in. And he was never seeing anyone else from the start. He was, like, he told me from the beginning, like, hey, I'm just, like, a one-person kind of person. Like, I don't want to see anyone else. Like, I'm just going to focus on you. Like, I don't care what you do. But And I was, like, okay, yeah. 
with other people, like when I started going poly, I like knew like, oh, if I found someone who like checked all my boxes, like then I'd just be monogamous. And he like did that. Like I was monogamous with him. So we just kept like seeing each other like every two or three weekends. And then like the day before New Year's Eve, he was like, hey, like, I want to tell you something. And I was like, what do you want to tell me? And he was like, I love you. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Me? I was like waiting for him to say it because I knew I loved him for like two months. Oh, my God. This was literally me and Mots. Like, I literally was like, (laughs) when are you going to say it, dude? Because like, I know I'm going to say it back, but I know you've been wanting to say it. So you should hurry up and say it. Yeah, like, I felt like he loved me for a while, but he hadn't said it yet. And I knew, like, if he felt it and, like, meant it, he would say it to me. And I didn't want to say it first because, like, we weren't in, like, a serious relationship. We were just kind of, like... Y'all were just dating one-on-one, but you just weren't interested in seeing other people. Yeah. And, like, I did, like, like him a lot. And, like, but I haven't felt the need to be, like, oh, yeah, you're my boyfriend. So we said, I love you. And then we had like a quick little chat because we hadn't really talked about our relationship at all. We were just kind of like going with the flow. So we had like a this chat where we were like, oh, well, he knows where he's going to be living for like the next however long. And he's pretty set in his career. And like, I'm still an intern. I'm about to like, I have a full time offer and everything. Um, but that's in a different city than where he lives. And then I also, like, from the get was like, hey, like, I don't want to live. So I, like, don't want to live in the state where I'm from for, like, a year after I graduate. So, like, he knows, like, I'm not going to be staying here, or at least I don't plan on it. So it's like, why would we be like, oh, yeah, we're going to be serious. Like, you're my boyfriend because, like, I'm. we don't know how long we're going to last. Like, we didn't even know we were going to, like, last as long as we did. Like, Mm -hmm. I even have told him, like, you were supposed to be a one-night stand. (laughs) So that's the reason why we say we're, like, not serious or we're, like, not boyfriend-girlfriend. It's because, like, there isn't, like, we're not planning our futures around each other. And I feel like you do that when, like, you're in a serious relationship. And, like, also it's just, like, I don't know. But we do have, like, all the same, almost all the same expectations you would have with, like, a significant other. Like, he calls me every night. We text during the day. Like, Like, I know what his schedule looks like. I don't know, like certain things like that. Would Um, it be wrong to assume that like, so me hearing this, I think that the only difference in this, because love is a serious like feeling, but like you then don't have to deal with people being like, oh, your boyfriend, what are you guys doing after this? So like you guys are on the same page, but it's less about how other people will then talk about you both and not having to explain all that. Right. Is that is that kind of a similar assumption? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think about that, but that makes a lot of sense. Because if you're on the same page for like everything yeah, and like all of this stuff, this makes wi- this like that actually makes sense to me where it's like, yeah. it's easier for us to not say that we're boyfriend, girlfriend, because those labels come with the intention of planning. And you are planning. You're both planning that you're not planning on factoring each other into <laughs> your future mm-hmm. life decisions, which is is a plan, but is something that I could see like uh, other people in your life like having commentary on and not getting and then maybe asking questions where it's just easier that you wouldn't factor in someone who you're not seriously dating so you can kind of avoid all of that shit and other people's other people's things because it it makes sense to me now it makes total sense to me 
I'm shocked because yeah, at first I was like, "What fuck does this mean?" But no, this makes <laughs> this you. makes actual sense. So Thank I you for appreciate the clarity. It. Yeah, and I also like how communicative you are with people and with him, and how you express your feelings because it seems like you're just a very straight shooter. I appreciate this style of communication mm-hmm. like this is this, is, like, this is how we i want to kiss you okay appreciate all I'm, of this i'm not done talking to you okay uh-huh. we're gonna have sex <laughs> it was a five yeah no he's like i can do better <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what i was gonna say and you're like and then he reached out on why i go because he didn't want to be a five yeah. like he wanted to be like <laughs> let me put the work in and build my way up to at least yeah. a seven i remember this yeah. guy was with one time and i was like I didn't come. And he was like, I can do better. And I was like, okay, prove it. Like, no, I, I have yeah. guy friends who've had people say similar stuff to them and then them calling me being like, I just had sex. This girl it was great for me. It was clearly not great for her. I need you to tell me what the fuck to do. Like, I literally, I like, I have guy friends who've, everyone's experienced that where they're like, tell me how to put that work in. Tell me yeah. how to do this. So this is, <laughs> I mean, I, this makes, this makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask you, so you, your five-year relationship, was that your only relationship or did you kind of have because if you would have been in high school so like you said 16 18 so like did you have like the oh I had a boyfriend when I was like 15 14 13 12 like did you have like lots of boyfriends and then your five-year relationship or just the big five-year one that was my only serious relationship I've had like boyfriends like since I was like in first grade yeah Mm -hmm. okay no, this because the communicati- communication style but then also the self-awareness like you're very and not in a way that sometimes I have friends who've like had one long monogamous relationship that like defined their adolescence and then they compare like everything to it in an unhealthy way. But like, I feel like you know what a serious relationship is because you've done it, but then you've also done like the more flirting, crush, dating around, even if you're like really fucking young and it doesn't, it doesn't have all of that like real adult feelings there, but you have like intense like childhood, like young adult feelings there for someone who's been in such a long-term relationship, like that's, it's a very, like it's congratulations. Like it's very impressive to be able to go into other relationships with like a sense of like self-assuredness and not self Like I don't hear you self-sabotaging, nor do I hear you picking like wrong people who will then hurt Mm -hmm. you. So you're hurting yourself. Like this is impressive. This is very impressive. And you had a relationship where you were building a future together and then you're and now you're like I know what I want out of my life post-grad and that doesn't necessarily mean that it includes you but like I know what I want and it can include you if we want yeah, it to like work. you might make me change all of the advice I've ever given where I'm saying <laughs> don't be in a relationship and move in together in college like I might be like your fucking final year one of your final year move in with your another and like survival of the fittest see if you make it out because like I feel yeah. like you got a crash course in yeah. like incompatibility like loving someone and having like deep feelings for them and then realizing like oh we're just like our lives are just incompatible and that's the big I think in, when you're in adulthood that's the number one reason why people break up like yeah you can like someone but I think usually yeah. when we give that advice it's usually people that are like freshmen sophomore yeah. that are trying but you had time before y'all lived yeah. like you you were able to have like that college life and then y'all moved in together. yeah you weren't attached yeah. at the hip the whole time yeah yeah so like we were like long distance my freshman and sophomore year of college and then junior year we lived together but also sophomore year of college was COVID so I wasn't like in person oh wow yeah so I got all my partying out like the first semester 
and then my senior year now I live alone yeah this which is like holy shit dude you're like you're fucking fast coasting life like you're gonna you're (laughs) gonna be like 26 and like all of your friends are gonna be 40 like you're gonna be like I can't with this child you're doing all this shit and your frontal lobe isn't even no, developed like, yet. You're so, about to have no. a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be like limitless. <laughs> Wonderful update. We had to cut so much out of it because we just vibed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking to them for so long. So long. Absolutely loved it. Big fans. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you all enjoyed this episode. Now you have another episode with Candace to look forward to. I hope you're excited because we're excited because we love her. We hope you enjoyed. If you would like to leave a review on the podcast app and say how I much you love like us. To read one. Oh my gosh. No, this is an example. And no, that this could be you. We could be reading your review. Yeah. This is from someone who that we both revere. So five stars Paul isn't Revere? enough. Oprah. <gasps> Oprah, thank you, my girl. With a little winky emoji. I found the podcast a few years ago, so I had some catching up to do. I listened from the beginning and finally caught up this week. I'm devastated that I did because now I have to wait for episodes as they come out due to the Eminem multiverse of podcasts. I won't have long to wait still. These two fantastic women truly care about their audience and the message they are putting out in the world. In the few years that I've listened, I can honestly say I have changed for the better. Oh my God. I've discovered my worth and stood up for myself and can attribute that to Megan and Melissa's advice and general outlook on life and the world. Thank you both so much and please keep doing what you're doing. Heart emoji. That's so fucking nice. That is. Thank you. Wow. Oprah. (laughs) Oprah Winfrey. Miss Winfrey. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. That is so fucking kind. And we appreciate that. Don't you just love how, like, we are Oprah Sayer podcast? I do. And, like, this person is probably, like, the most up-to-date on, like, all of our jokes present and mm-hmm. past. That's like, if true. someone was going to win a Don't Blame Me trivia, it It'd would be, be this them. person, yeah. It would be Oprah. Mm-hmm. Oprah. Thank Oprah's you. winning. Thank you, Oprah Gail Winfrey. So, if that inspired you to leave a review, I don't know how it didn't. Gail, where's your review? Right. It's time for Gail. Mm-hmm please leave one we appreciate it so much and if you want to call in for an upcoming episode the phone number is 310-694-0976 say it with a little bit more gusto 310-694-0976 thanks jess jess yeah you started singing i know and then like i couldn't new do girl it. and then i i have to do the same kind of cadence because then i won't That's remember it you, yeah okay so yeah and international listeners send us your audio messages everything we said at the start of the episode three minutes write it down practice 18 or over have your parents permission stay tuned for the rest of the week for the rest of our podcasts and episodes that come out oh yeah next week we've got a good one too (gasps) oh yeah that man that you're betrothed to (laughs) some dude (laughs) yeah my fiance so there, there you go. You've got some numbers there. Oh, and if you want to watch the video version of the podcast, you can join our Patreon and support the show. You don't don't have to watch the video versions, but you can also join us for live streams. We do twice a month where we have a grand old time, lots of socializing, lots of fun. We roast people about their dating lives. Mm-hmm. People make dinner while we do them. What else do we I do? I make dinner. You do make dinner. Okay. Anything else? Nah. Follow our socials, go comment something on our Instagram and 
that's it. That's it. Bye. Bye. Don't Blame Me is a production by me. Executive produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions. Edited by Coco Lawrence. Production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. Music by Ryan Hunter and Giacomo Picasso.